Playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced. Weird stuff has happened in the past and here I am to tell you about it, I guess. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Absurd Real History. Hello and welcome to Absurd Real History, the podcast where I find weird stories from the past and find interesting people to tell them to. Today I'm really excited to be joined by actor and content creator Avine Murphy. Hello Avine. Hello Saoirse. I hope I'm an interesting enough person for you to be telling your stories to. Ah uh, sure, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite ominous in a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, this isn't too much of an ominous episode. So have you heard of someone called William Henry Ireland? No, but I hope no. he's Irish because his surname is Ireland. No, he's he's very English. Ugh. The, the, the epitome of Englishness even. Okay, maybe you should edit out that ugh. Because I don't want everyone to know that I hate English people. No, I'm only joking. No, I love it's, the it's part of it's part of being Irish. Like you, you love England. You know, you go over to London. You have lots of English friends. Uh, yes. Love English television. Love it. But you gotta hate the English. You know, that's 800 years of oppression. It's it's, do it. it's kind of built into our psyches and our DNA that we hate the tans. Like, it's not really any fault of mine. And I do, I have loads of English friends. I love English people. And we're even, like, I'm even thinking about moving to London. But... At the same right, you know, I want to, you know, starve them like they did to us in the 1800s. 800 years of oppression doesn't, doesn't just go away. Not in the least, Saoirse. I agree. Well, I wasn't expecting you to hear of William Henry Ireland, but I do think you know of a, a little old lad called Shakespeare. I sure do. <laughs> what do you think of the, the whole thing that some people say that he didn't really write um, a lot of his plays? I don't know, like I haven't really looked into it too much, but I was doing a project recently about like the forgotten kind of sisters and women behind the good Ir- mm. like good Irish writers specifically, as well as like, you know, world writers. And I think behind every writer is like fantastic um, muses and fantastic inspirations. So like, I feel like perhaps the, you know, Shakespeare in Love, although it is like highly romanticized, showed like a really good idea of what like a rehearsal structure and a rehearsal process would be in terms of like, he probably had a lot of influences from other people while in the rehearsal room. But Mm. like, I don't believe that somebody like, I don't know if he used somebody else to write his plays for him or, you know, like stole other people's plays. But it would be nice to know if he did. Yeah, I'm kind of um, in a similar opinion. I think some people are like, oh, he complete, he's not real at all. It's an amalgamation of 12 different writers. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not true. That's a real conspiracy theory, theory but yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, let some people think that if they want to. If it makes them happy, let them think that. But I'm just going to think that Shakespeare was Shakespeare. And I mean, that's just it for me. I love it. Yeah, that's a good way to think. So we're we're going to be talking about William Henry Ireland, who forged Shakespeare work Ooh, yeah and so and this was in the the late 1700s so in 1794 London-based William Henry Ireland now I said I saw in a few sources that he was 17 a few sources that he was 18 late teens he was a young lad he was a young lad very nice produced a sheet of parchment with William Shakespeare's signature on it Wow. Uh, like an old legal document. Okay. He claimed to find it at his job, which was essentially sorting and rifling through old legal papers. 
spoiler alert, I've already told you, like, it's a knockoff. It's not, it's not really Shakespeare's signature. I think even today we have hardly any depictions of his handwriting. Yes. I think I read somewhere six. I didn't know if at the time they had six, but mm. now there's only six signatures. So okay. there's not a lot of write of as actual handwriting. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Even like the first folio was not written in his handwriting. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, it was a for- forgery and one done to impress his father, by all accounts, Samuel Ireland, who didn't really think much of him, I kind of gathered. <laughs> so William was like, Willie said, look, I'm, I want to get William, or I want to pretend that I have William Shakespeare's autograph to impress my daddy Sam. Yes. Okay, excellent. Because Daddy Sam was a Shakespeare fanatic, like absolute Shakespeare fanatic. These were, and he was antique collecting, had all of the Shakespeare stuff. And he even said, coincidentally, a few months prior before the signature was produced, that he would like sell all his stuff to get a Shakespeare signature. Oh my God, ultimate Shakespeare fanboy. Okay. Yeah. And apparently a few months before they, the signature, the duo went to Stratford because they heard a rumor that there was like a trunk of old Shakespeare documents. And when they got there, all the contents had been burned. I'm not sure if that's real or not. They just heard tell that there was, there was documents there. I wonder what like Shakespeare fanboys and fangirls were like back in the day. Like, did he have like proper groupies and stuff? Like, did they like wear Shakespeare's clothes? Like, was it like a whole like Shakespeare fan club or Shakespeare society I'm not I'm not too sure of like his popularity during his day I know by this stage which would have been Shakespeare was like 1500s wasn't he yes yeah I guess so yeah Yeah. um and yeah and he was quite poor throughout his life wasn't he he was quite poor but he did he get he got like a good bit of work and then maybe his notoriety soared when he died but while he was alive I don't think he was like unknown I think he I think he was pretty you know maybe he wasn't up there but well the 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 queen had heard of his work and sure stuff like that but by this period in time he was crazy popular he was England's like hero by this uh, now so now he's very popular there's lots of Shakespeare scholars people are desperate to get his his work Samuel was skeptical when he received the document at first, but he brought it to his friend and antique expert, James Boswell, who deemed it to be authentic. So now James, yeah, so he deemed it to be authentic and he was delighted. Sammy was delighted. He got his Shakespeare signature. Daddy Sam. Now it's worth, yeah. James Boswell wasn't a Shakespeare expert, but he was, a, but he did date the stamp. Okay. He checked the wax stamp okay. and William Henry did a really good job at using correct parchment for the period of the time. Oh my God, he's so sneaky. What a sneaky he, little bastard. And real, real like, um, real wax. So he was delighted and Samuel was demanding more documents. So <laughs> William Henry just kept forging more and more. He was in over his head. He wasn't sleeping. Yeah. He wasn't eating. He was just um, forging Shakespeare documents all night long, all day and all night. With the very convenient cover story that it all came from the trunk of an old, rich benefactor of his, simply dubbed Mr. H, who conveniently wished remain anonymous. Mr. H, okay. By the end of this podcast, we'll know what the H stands for. Horribly crafted. I don't know. (laughs) Mr. 
hate the Brits. No, Mr. Mr. Hate the Brits. <laughs> we'll know by the end. We'll know by the end. This Mr. H even corresponded with Samuel, who didn't recognize his son's handwriting because it was just using, again, his own handwriting for those ones. <laughs> uh, more and more documents from Shakespeare kept miraculously appearing by this Mr. H. Uh, documents such as a letter, a letter from Shakespeare to the Earl of Southampton, pages of verses, a letter to his future wife, Anne Hathaway, which even included a, a lock of hair for some reason, probably William's own hair, but we don't know whose hair. This guy is a fucking freak. I'm sorry now to say it outright, but this guy is no. like your man from Silence of the Lambs sort of shite like... Take it easy, man. These items went on display in the family home. So they were charging people to come in and like see Shakespeare's work. Because as I said before, even now, there's very little Shakespeare documents. Like, yeah. So especially now, everyone was buzzing. It caused quite a lot of excitement and buzz. The fact that Ireland, William Henry Ireland, not us, our country, (laughs) didn't invite any of the great Shakespeare scholars at the time to come in and view the documents, kind of raised a bit of alarm bells that, you know, he wasn't willing to have the people that really knew Shakespeare. Yeah, it was a cheap trick and he knew he could make money off of it. It was quite, like, it was quite common at the time, wasn't it? Because even, like, I was listening to a podcast recently about, like, Jack the Ripper and stuff like that. And after, um, like, Jack the Ripper's, like, fourth or fifth victim, they were charging people money to go in and, like, look at the bodies on the street and stuff like that. So people would pay money for just about anything in those times. It was, like, entertainment for them. Mm. Well, I don't think it was about the money simply because, I mean, they were very well off, you know, this is... They were very well oh. off. It was just to impress his daddy. He just wanted oh. to make Samuel happy. Oh my God. <laughs> That's re- really sad in a way, isn't it? Poor Willie and his daddy Sam. Yeah, but I'm also like, just just accept your father's a bit of a dickhead and stop trying to gain the approval you'll never have. Just fix the shed door or something. Like We don't have to go that far to impress our fathers. You know, there's only so much you can do. Just accept you're going to be a disappointment. Just accept your disappointment and, like, get on with things. People listening to this podcast will either think this guy is really sad or get some really good ideas from this guy's shit. It gets kind of ridiculous because, like, um, his forgeries were really, really bad. Oh, okay. (laughs) So he wasn't even good at it. All right. No. So about a year after the initial find, his dad decided to publish all of the stuff that they had found, which William was like, Kind of not wanting him to do, but he did it anyway because it meant that the work was available for scrutiny from anyone. Like all the Shakespeare scholars could, could buy it. They wouldn't have to go to their house and check it out in, in person. Um, and that that's what happened. He was correct. They were immediately scrutinized. They were comically awful. Loads of historical inaccuracies, such as a note mentioning the Globe Theatre a whole 10 years before it was actually built. Oh, poor Willie. He should have done his research like you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't, don't think that the internet as, as good back in the day. <laughs> they still had dial-up, yeah. The thing is, though, even though there was like a, a lot of scholars being like, don't really believe this, most people were utterly convinced that, you know, all this stuff was from Shakespeare. They believed in Mr. H. There is even a letter from the Queen herself, which means he's also for, forging Queen Elizabeth I's signature and oh. handwriting. That's probably mega illegal as well. Like the most illegal that it can be. Yeah, so she's praising him for the pretty verses and everything. And 
asking him to stage a play before her in Hampton Court. And I just have to show you a picture of this because it's so comical how bad, like this is meant to be Queen Elizabeth's the first signature. Oh dear. Okay. I'm a teacher, so I see a lot of handwriting in my time. So have a look at that. And if you look at the right there, that's meant to be Queen oh Elizabeth my God. the first signature. Jesus. For those of you that, well, everyone that can't see it besides Avian, it's just squiggly. It's It looks like a child. It's just squiggly lines. And then it looks like, um, I, so it's at the, it's at the right that on the, at the bottom. Right, yeah. The, yeah. So it's squiggly lines. And then it, he's like, he's done that thing that we all did when we were younger, that we, when we wanted to make our signatures look like our parents, where we do like four squiggly lines <laughs> underneath the signature. And then on the next, like the, the, the capital B looks like a person holding their head in shame. So like we've got, this looks like Fritzy Beth. And then this weird like doppel S thing with like load of squiggles down at the bottom to make it look like, yes, my mom says that I can go or I can not wear my uniform tomorrow. Like poor you Willie. Can, yeah. And it's also really shaky. Like the whole right, all yeah. of the writing, it's very, very shaky. And you can see the edge of the letter as well. It's like, just got a fire, like just got a, like a fire and just kind of, you know, did that thing. Cigarette like uh, when you were a kid making old parchment, soaking it in tea <laughs> and then just <laughs> flaming it. <laughs> with, the, with the fire at the at the side. But he had to get an adult to do it for him. Yeah, well, he's only oh 18 doing, doing all this as well. Oh, come on. 18 <laughs> is old enough to bloody use a feckin' pen, isn't it? Jesus. Boys mature slower than girls. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you can't really see it because it's a small picture and um like it's squiggly handwriting but I'm gonna read to you in the middle is like a so that's Shakespeare letter and then there's a smaller response that William Shakespeare sent and I'm just gonna read it to you okay Uh, go for it this letter I did receive from my most gracious lady Elizabeth and I do request it may be kept with all care possible WM Shakespeare so he's just doubling down on the fact that I, Shakespeare, did get this letter from Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> but here's the thing is, it's just very over the top Elizabethan yeah. spelling. So out of every, out of all that that I just said, the only words that are spelled correctly are I, oh B, and all care and Shakespeare. So we have this, T-H-Y-S, letter, L-E-T-T-E-R-R-E, did D-Y-D-D-E. This letter did. Receive R-E-C-E-Y-V-E from F-R-O-M-M-E. My M-W-Y. No, M-Y-E. M-Y-E. Most M-O-S-T-E. Gracious G. You get the picture. It's like that. Yeah, I get the picture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh my God. It's the same with her letter. So so this lad obviously was like, well, the spelling was real fancy back then, weren't it? And then like just, you know, overdid it on all the words and then did that thing where we were like, you know, like get get your mom on the phone, like to tell somebody something like, yes, my son really was there on Friday kind of thing. As in like he was just over, you know, emphasizing the fact like, yes, this is the queen talking yeah. right now. Okay, yeah. And also in what he included like, sketches and like portraits of like that Shakespeare did 
And oh my god. Have, have a look at these. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, what is it? <gasps> There's a self-portrait. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, so the first one I see looks like I don't know what that is. It looks like some kind of medal that you wear on your like lapel or something. And it's representation of the something seal apparent from the something seed set conference September 52. From the Fra- Fraser deed. I don't know. I don't know. Something boring. But look at that it, drawing. It's like. It looks like it has like four testicles stuck on either side of this like. It looks like a kid did it. <laughs> Yeah, obnoxiously blue frame. Yeah, it looks like it was somebody on somebody's fridge for a while. And the next page, <laughs> you see William, Sh- the very own bards, William Shakespeare's signature. Again, it looks really shaky. It looks really shaky. And like the, the K has like run off into like a little like ribbon at the end. It's like he was interrupted or something like, oh, oh, yeah, dad. Yeah, I just found a new one. Um, Poor Willie. Jesus. And then the second one is, Oh my god! It's like it's supposed to be obviously a a a self portrait of Shakespeare with really squinty eyes, like lopsided eyes. Again, really shaky, shaky Shakespeare. Um, it looks like a twelve year old boy did it. I think it looks like younger. Like I think twelve year old boys can do a little bit better than this, even. <laughs> but like I love that Shakespeare's holding up his index finger like to himself, being like, "Yes, it is I." <laughs> Shakespeare yes I am I'm really Shakespeare I fucking promise you it's like oh my god man how he's like he's a very delusional little boy isn't he yeah I mean young lad sorry not a little boy he's a young lad but everyone was believing him that is like like, I I find but did they did they really believe him or like did they actually really believe they must have really believed him a lot of it was confirmation bias because people really wanted there to be more Shakespeare stuff. Mm. Like they were okay. craving it, you know? Mm. Yeah, because he was such a star. And he, he was such a star, darling. Yeah, and apparently the parchment was really believable. Like he, he did a really good job p- like picking the parchment is what kept coming up in my research. <laughs> <laughs> he picked the good paper. He, he picked he good paper. He used the good quills. And um, he used a lot of the old material that from his job from the, to use like good wax seals that made sense for the time but everything else was wrong and people and he told a good story you know Mr. H he was a good story artist he was but he wasn't a good good forger he could never be like a Leonardo DiCaprio in Catch Me If You Can figure whatever no I mean I think most children do a better job forging their parents signature (laughs) oh yeah I loved forging my parents signature when I was a kid it's just that you'd think that Shakespeare's handwriting would not be that shaky and sketchy and it's just the fact yeah. that like for me and I understand that but how do people think that was that's meant to be Queen Elizabeth the first and it's just this shaky e to be honest with you right like so just to paint a picture for the audience here the 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 self-portrait here that I'm seeing of Shakespeare like he's got like mousy brown hair like he's colored it in and he's done inside the lines but there's like two figures on either side presumably one's like supposed to be like a fool or something and then the other one looks like a a royal harp it's like a person's like an anthropomorphic harp but like they look pretty like okay in comparison to like the actual figure of Shakespeare like they're they're pretty abstract but I feel like they could pass as art I don't know what's going on with the squiggles on either side of Shakespeare's head though they're like they're just 
squiggles. I disagree. I think it's all comically hilariously <laughs> awful. Hey, come on. I'm just trying to redeem Willie in some kind of small sense. The lad's having a hard time. But also, most of the people that were believing this, these weren't the scholars. Aside from his dad. Like, here's the thing. His dad knew a lot about Shakespeare and was, by all accounts, very intelligent. But most people, they're just normal people, you know? Yeah. Normal people who loved, like, love Shakespeare. Yeah. You're, you know, you're common, run-of-the-mill, like... You tell someone this is Willie's Willy signature, they're like, yeah, this is exciting. I'll pay money yes, for this. Yes, yeah. But people, yeah, people were starting to notice that the signatures weren't correct, the numerous spelling mistakes, the handwriting and language weren't consistent compared to the few actual Shakespeare documents that they did have. He also apparently got quite creative in how he was phrasing the letters in the story by trying to like weirdly connect his genealogy to Shakespeare's. Mm. Kind of hinting that he was the true descendant of genetically and artistically. Even putting his own name in, like William Henry Ireland, but like a different William Henry Ireland. Oh my god. <laughs> Shockingly, some scholars doubted that this was actually William Shakespeare's work. What? <gasps> I know. But William. But a lot of people still took it as genuine. And with this overrun confidence, he produced... Two full previously lost Shakespeare plays. <gasps> oh my God. I didn't think it could get better, but it got better. Oh my God. Can you tell me what they're called or is that for later uh, on? Henry II. Okay. All right. That's not too, I, I was expecting something a little bit more outlandish, but okay. I'm holding out hope for the second one. And v- Vortigern and Rowena. <laughs> that was what I wanted. <laughs> Vortigern and Bowena. Okay, putting that in the list of potential child names. Bowena. Oh my god. Rowena. Bowena or Rowena? Ro- uh, Rowena. Rowena. Okay, Rowena, yes. Apparently okay. it's it's based on like a classic English mytho- mythological story, so it's a histor it's a history one. Oh, right. Okay. Interesting. Okay, have you read these plays? It's hard to find. Henry II isn't like bits of it, I I don't know what's going on with that. Vorskern and Rowena, its initial document didn't get found. Now he did publish another version of it after everything came out about the forgeries. Oh my god! Under his own name. <laughs> but we'll get we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So in 1796, uh, he sold the rights of Vorskern and Rowena, a tragedy set in ancient Britain. To Irish playwright Richard Sheridan. Oh my god. <laughs> Who, you know Richard Sheridan. Yeah, I, yes, I do, yes, I know of him, yeah, yeah. The Rivals yes. and all those. I remember doing The Rivals in college, yeah. all right, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so he purchased the rights to it and it produced its first and only production at Drury Lane Theatre in London. Stop. I wish that YouTube was a thing then so that there could be a YouTube video of this. Yeah, the... <laughs> The manager of the Drury Lane Theatre and one of the main actors of the play, John Philip Kemble, had severe doubts that the of the play's authentic- <laughs> authenticity. Listen, lads, I don't know about this now. Like, it just doesn't seem like right they, to me or something. I don't know. It's just not like his other work. Like, was he, was he sick at the time? And he something? made this well known. <laughs> oh, stop. Um, so... I think they could tell that was a good play, but they knew it would bring in a lot of people because the majority of the public still thought that yeah. this was a lost Shakespeare play. Could you imagine the buzz, like the excitement? Like even today, yeah. if we found like a lost Shakespeare play. Yeah, people would go nuts. 
Like, absolutely, people would capitalize on that. And I'd go see it. I'd be like, oh my God, long things for me. And even if it was, if it was called, what, what was Vort- the first Vortigern name? Vortigern and Rowena. Rowena. Oh, Vortigern. Oh my God. Who looks at a child and goes, oh my God. Do you know what he looks like? He looks I, like Brits. a Vortigern. He's definitely a Vortigern. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I need to see this. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> two days before the show opened, Edmund Malone, who was the greatest Shakespeare scholar of the time, yes. published an entire book, over 400 pages, explaining in forensic detail how it was all rubbish. He, he went through all of the documents individually, exposing numerous historical inaccuracies, proof of incorrect handwriting, lists of words that weren't used in Shakespeare's time at all, and some spelling and words that didn't actually belong to any time in recorded history at all. (laughs) He's just making up words. Oh, he burst poor Willie's little bubble. (laughs) He concluded that those involved in the forgery know nothing of the history of Shakespeare, nothing of the history of the stage, or the history of the English language. (laughs) Oh my God. Fair play to him. Fair play to him. And it didn't matter because the play went ahead with a full audience. This No one seemed to care that this guy did a 400 book. People were like, nope, still think it's, still think it's Shakespeare. Still convinced <laughs> it's Shakespeare. The play itself, it's kind of a, a weird, it's like a pastiche of Shakespeare plays. So it takes mm. various different themes of other Shakespeare plays and kind of puts them all, puts them all together. So the start was apparently kind of, okay but then as the show continued people started laughing at how bad it was and booing at how bad it was and then um a fight broke out between people that were still convinced that it was actually Shakespeare but this was just like one of Shakespeare's early works like a really bad Shakespeare (laughs) he didn't mean that he meant this and those are like this is fake this is a forgery but now the consensus was there were still people who were convinced it was real but like that it was actually Shakespeare but now it was a bit more like 60-40. Yeah, okay. Oh my god. <laughs> what happens in the play? Like, what's the main, like, the general plot of the play? Or is there a plot? Like, is this one of the pitfalls of it? Well, it kind of, it, it starts off very um, Macbeth-y. I'll let you, in your dramatic voice, read the first, the first half of the first soliloquy. Okay, in my dramatic voice, okay. Now, I mean, just you, like, just, it's Shakespeare, okay? It's Shakespeare, darling. What I will say is this original, the original text is gone. That, so this is from the version that he self-published himself a few years later. So right. he may have fixed it and made it better. We don't know how, it was bad <laughs> enough to be laughed off the stage and to okay. only ever do one performance. It was so, <laughs> so when we say fixed it, we mean fixed it with large inverted commas. Yeah. Okay, great. I mean... All those E's are gone, thank God, for some reason. So I can only presume that that might have been in the, the real thing. So one thing that struck me is how abrupt it all was. So just for for context, and this is the first half a page. So this happens very quickly. It, the play just begins with Constantius, who's the king of Britain, praising Vortigan and offering him to be joint king with him. And then Constantius <laughs> leaves. Okay, whenever, whenever you're ready. Okay. Fortune, I thank thee. Now is the cup of my ambition full, and by this rising tempest in my blood, I feel the fast approaching of greatness, which, and like a peasant, stoops for my acceptance. 
but hold her conscience. How is it with thee? Why dost thou pinch me thus? For should I heed thee, then must my work crumble and fall to nought. Come then, thou soft, thou double-faced deceit! Come, dearest flattery, come, direst murder, attend me quick, and prompt me to the deed. What? Jointly wear the crown? No, I will all! <laughs> what do you think, in compared to... It's, it is very Macbethy. It is. Um, yeah. It doesn't really work with, like, like the meter is very off in, in terms of, like, how it's read and stuff like that. But I obviously, you know, I don't know if I'm doing it right either. It sounded great. I was thinking, but you can see how, especially at the start, it seemed to go okay because, you know, you have good actors yeah, and it and it does it sounds sound Shakespeare-y. Like I mean, it, it sounds like somebody kind of yeah improvised it, but it, it does just, sound, sound Shakespeare-ish. It was so it was just it's just the plot points were very a bit like it just it all happens very fast and it's very like yeah. I was reading it, I kind of scanning it, trying to get something like funny from it, mm. but it was just like oh, this just isn't great well it's in not- fairness like i mean sometimes in shakespeare like decisions are made really quickly and stuff like yeah. that but like maybe not in the first in the very first like um like speech that he does but like in the middle he's kind of saying oh hold oh conscience oh no but hold oh conscience how is it with thee he's basically being like hey conscience how are you like it's it's sort of like shakespeare text for shakespeare text's sake but even before that, like, like the play begins, him coming in, well done, you did great. I will make you half king with me. Yes, okay, I am going to go now. Oh, I am going. And then he's like, no, I don't want half king. I want full king, damn it. And My- then like the rest of the play ensues. But like, does he say why he's making him full king? Like, is it because they've just come off a battle or something? It's just like, oh, you, you did the, it's all peaceful now. I didn't. I didn't spend too much time out. It's just like, oh, yeah, you yeah. Have, I think he's his advisor, and he's just been oh. good. He's just been like, you've been great to me all these years. Now I will make you joint king with me because you fought well. You've been a good boy. Do you want to be There's like no my word. ruler with me, will ya? Also, like that doesn't seem like a thing. Yeah, but I, but it's based on the. It's absolutely the not a thing. <laughs> but it, it maybe maybe it is. I didn't look into the Vortigern, um history of it. What I love, though, my favorite line, and by the way, this is only the first half of the monologue. I yeah. thought I'd spare everyone from the full monologue. But I love <laughs> that line that I ended on. What? Jointly wear the crown? No, I will all. Just because <laughs> it reminds me of The Simpsons. You know that, like, um, oh my God, love it. money down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Like the co- no money down. I got to look it up. Lionel Hutz. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Worries on contingency? No money down. No money down. <laughs> like, yes. No, you've got, the, you've got the punctuation wrong. Yes, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What? Jointly wear it. Like, it fits in with the, the scansion of that. Oh, it's yes. Like, no, I will all. And also, another oh, thing I love God. about this is, I don't know if you noticed, Avine, but there's so many exclamation points. So many exclamation <laughs> points. Maybe that's what led me to, like, shout the whole thing. Now, my couple... My, now is the cup of my ambition full. And by this rising tempest in my blood, it feels like it's all going blah, 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 blah. And then, but hold. Yeah. Oh, conscience, how is it with thee? It's just very <laughs> it's I just so... love that. 
I, I, I kind of wish that line was in Macbeth though. Just what? Jointly wear the crown? No, I will all. <laughs> no, I will all. No, I will all. No, I will all. And it's what? It's not what? Like it's not a question mark what? It's like an exclamation mark what? What? So, Jointly wear the crown? No. It was meant to have a full run, but they only did the one night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> Even after this dire performance, though, the authenticity debate raged on for about a month. Meanwhile, William Henry Ireland is kind of just hiding away, realizing he probably has to come clean. Oh no, poor Willie. All he wanted was his daddy to love him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, a lot of people had copped on and he was being mocked in the papers. Like all of the local papers were, were mocking him. Um, there's a spoof letter between Shakespeare and his rival that the Telegraph wrote, published at the time, being like, Deary, Surrey, Willie, Yui, Dewey, me, the favory to dine with thee <laughs> on Friday. Next, next at, like there's like four T's in at, two. Oh, so he's being like mocked. Yes, mercilessly mocked. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't say he doesn't deserve it, like, though, you know? I mean, they could have done worse. (laughs) To me, that feels like... That's such a a white privileged male thing to do is to just assume that you can get away with producing an entire Shakespeare play. Absolutely, it's the patriarchy wrapped up in a nice little fucking... (laughs) Just that phrase in confidence. It's like, I'm going to write my own play. It's such a young male, yeah, it's such a young male, like white male, English, young white English male. I'm getting that English in there, no. But yes, I know what you mean. It is, it's so privileged, so like (laughs) entitled, like, oh, but you know, that shit happened. It happened. It happened. He was trying to pluck up the courage to tell his dad this whole time, but couldn't face doing it in person. So he published a a confession in a pamphlet and just handed it out and gave it out to everyone. Because he still couldn't say it to his dad face to face. Oh my God. The poor lad. But here's the funny thing. Like, even after he confessed, there was loads of people, including his own father, that didn't believe that he had forged it because they thought he was too stupid to have forged it oh i was about to go oh his daddy believed him after all but no they just think he was too stupid to have actually pulled the whole thing off yeah well he like confessed he like told his dad like no like i didn't do it his dad was like nope don't believe you you're just trying to take credit I thought that he was like, his dad was like, you know what, son, I don't believe you because you know you take this rap for whatever scoundrel it was that told you to do it. No. No, like, no just... you'd, you'd be too stupid to, to pull something like this. <laughs> Daddy, it wasn't me, really. Oh, God. He, yeah, so his dad, Samuel, was blaming Edmund Malone being a terrible Shakespeare scholar it's like no it, there aren't they aren't fakes at all they're genuinely Shakespeare this scholar guy doesn't know what he's talking about I know Shakespeare <laughs> I love it so much this, these 400 pages nah 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 my What's... Willie would never do something like that it's like you know you always think your child is never the one to have done the bold thing yeah Samuel Ireland died a couple of years later in 1800 And he went to his grave believing that his son had found genuine Shakespeare writing 
refusing to believe the confession. Good. You know what? If that's what the man needed, that's what the man needed. I think he just really wanted Shakespeare's signature, you know? And yeah. he's always like, you can't take this away from me. I love Shakespeare more than I'll ever love you, boy. Well, he loved Shakespeare so much that he wanted to be connected to him. So he partook in the like the collective delusion that other people had fa- fallen victim to. And, you know, like if people, if he needs that, it's a fairly harmless delusion to fall under, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... It's wrong. Love your children. Yeah, well, I mean, you should just love your children. But if you can't, you know, just believe them when they forge William Shakespeare or any other famous writer's signatures, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) A few few years after his father's death, William published uh, a very very catchy title of The Confessions of William Henry Ireland Containing the Particulars of His Fabrications of the Shakespeare Manuscripts, which was over 300 pages long. I, I tried to read it, but I, I didn't. I, I skimmed through it. I did find it, though. Ain't nobody got time for that. No, it was basically just an extended version of the pamphlet confession. And if you felt sorry for him, this will probably make you feel like less sorry for him. Mm. He doesn't seem, and all like scholars looking through the work, they, no, they don't seem to be particularly ashamed of his forgeries. It's more of a brag of like, look what I was able to do. I was able to fool everyone into thinking I was Shakespeare and kind of use the forgeries to try and like push his own writing career as a, as a poet and as a writer, which didn't really work. He kind of just fell into obscurity after after this. Everyone kind of hated him. You can't really come back from that. No. And apparently his writing wasn't that good either. It was just very flowery and... yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was basically just a look what I can that do. That is, um, that's unfortunate for him that he felt if he felt that there was no other avenue except to like forge somebody else's writing in order to get notoriety for his own work and then used that forgery as a platform then to plug his own work. Like there is nothing yeah. more white privilege male than that, in fact. That move, like at the very end of being like, okay, well you guys, you look what I can do. If I can do that, I can do anything. I can be a good writer if I can do that. But it's like we can all trace, man. It's the real artists that we need to see. Yeah, and it was even during all of this before his confession it was very much his father that was in the spotlight, not him. Because it was his father who was showing the work, who published the the books and everything. And yeah, and then it was just done. He was just like, look what I did. He even went to France for a bit afterwards because people were mocking him so much. Apparently he had two two daughters and a wife. So I feel sorry for his family. Yeah, but if, if history has taught us anything, it's that anyone can get a wife. There's so many weird people you're like, you just think about like the, the, the worst serial killers ever and like the, the most disgusting men in history. And you're like, and he had a wife and five children. And you're like, what? A wife? Who would touch that? That's but very, very accurate and definitely something I have learned while researching this podcast. <laughs> Everybody, like, it's so weird how many people have managed to, not even, like, some people even have multiple spouses. Like, what is going on? But, um, yeah, Jesus. So he had a wife at the time. To- he didn't have a wife at the time, though, did he? No, because he was only a wee one. I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I don't know. People got married quite young. They did. They did. And also his, like, um, his, I don't think you know, so. rock and roll lifestyle he must have lived throughout the time of forging Shakespeare's writings and, and you know, those beautiful drawings of Shakespeare's. 
he must have, you know, had loads of chicks on his arm. He looked, I'll show you, I'll show you a picture of him. Cause he actually, oh my God. Yeah. He kind of looks like a dweeb, you know, like he's, a, <laughs> he's just, I love that word. He does though. Like, and, and I, like, he, it's such a particular word dweeb. And when you say dweeb, you just know a dweeb and you, you know, you exactly picture what that I, dweeb. You, know exactly you picture that particular I mean. dweeb like immediately. I can't wait to see this dweeb. <laughs> Maybe he'll be the one I picture when I think of the word dweeb. Oh my god, he's such a dweeb. Isn't he such a dweeb? <laughs> you can imagine his voice was a little bit like this. He, uh, Daddy, I've got some of Shakespeare's writings. I think he weirdly looks like Adam Scott. He kind of looks like Timothy Chalamet, but in a less hot way. Yeah, yes, definitely. That's that's what I was thinking about Adam Scott, but that's probably just because I've personally been watching a lot, a lot of Parks and Recs again recently. <laughs> Same, same. It's like, it's the sharpness of the face it's and small the really mouth. small mouth. It's yeah, yeah, small mouth. small mouth. And the kind of... But he's... Yeah. And the boyish charm of a Timothy Chalamet, but less of the kind of... Charm. More of the boyish, less of the charm. Like a, like a, like a dweeb. Like a dweeb, exactly. Like a, like a classic dweeb. Also, I don't know whether it's the artist's, you know, like, flair or like his kind of highlighting on the hair, but he looks like he has a very audible, or not audible, very visible bald patch. Just in the middle of his head. Just like kind of underneath the little crown spot. He's got like a little bald patch. I think that's just the lighting. It could just be the lighting, but maybe I just want to imagine him more of a dweeb than he really is. I mean, you can kind of understand how someone would be like, nah, there's no way you'd be able to write a whole play. Yeah. You know, even if you cuz he was only like 18 looking looking like oh. Yeah, he was like he does he really looks like he's 18 as well. A lot of these like um like portraits of young men at the time are like always portray them as looking older, but this one he really just he does look like a bloody child. He's a dweeb. He? He's 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 a picture every time I think of a dweeb now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I don't, like the more I look at it though, Sersha, the more like I'm a little bit attracted to this dweeby man. Like, but you know, I don't know whether it's lockdown or no, no. I need to stop looking at that. That is a part of it. I, I did <laughs> I did develop a crush on Harry Houdini researching one of these episodes. <laughs> oh, but he was cool. He was so cool. This guy is a dweeb. Like, clearly a dweeb. But come on. Like, you know, dweebs gotta find love too, as we found out. Yeah. So, I couldn't actually... I was trying to find samples of his work from, like, after all this in his later life. Yeah. Because he was apparently still producing work in... Like, still publishing work in England. But... As I said, um, you know, he faded into obscurity, so his works aren't found. You can actually see a lot of the time his forgeries mm. in like ex in Shakespeare expedition like exhibitions. They have like the authentic forgeries. He even after all this to like try and make a book, he would just make more of the forgeries and sold those as well. I suppose, like, if it makes you money and if it makes you famous, he probably, like, as in, he probably struggled a little bit, maybe, in his later life. Yeah, as well. everyone hated him <laughs> after this. That's so unfortunate. And did people know who he was when he went to France, I wonder? Like, you know, because he kind of escaped, obviously, that his, all of his notoriety or his infamy in, um, in the UK, in England. So, like, did, was he well known in France? I'm not sure. I think he published his writing... When he was in France, he was publishing his work in England. Because he went to school in France for a bit as well. Mm. So he speaks French. I, so in 1832, which was over 30 years after the whole Shakespeare 
Scherbachel. He published a second edition of Vortigern. And um, by then the controversy was over and he even added like an extra monologue at the beginning and an extra monologue at the bottom. And that's the version that you read is from that version. Oh, okay, okay. So he So that's probably he learned to get rid of all those E's, maybe. <laughs> we don't know how bad that first version is, and I really wanted to know because it I feel like it has to have been like I I don't think this is the exact version. I think it is, but uh, it has to be worse. Yes, I was thinking like it wasn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be like even if yeah. I'm looking at it now like it, it is kind of it does have a bang of Shakespeare off it like as though it's not as prolific but obviously yes again didn't really work he never really took off as a as a poet or a, a writer and uh then he died in 1835 and that's that Aww. that's <laughs> and everyone dies die with him the chronicles of Willie Ireland there you go. And that's everything I have on William Henry Ireland. What a poor, like, I mean, I feel bad for the guy in a way, you know, like, did he get in over his head? What did he just start out with, you know, like forging the, like the signature and then things just kind of snowballed from there. And like, was it to get his father's love or, you know, and he was very full of himself. Yeah, I mean, it, you can get um, that from reading the confession he thinks he's like the great, and even still, he's like, I am the next Shakespeare. Like he believed he was the next Shakespeare, but he was awful. Oh my God. But he believes that. God, it's like when you you say like, I'm really inspired by the work of, or I think the most influential work, or like the influ- most influential person for my work is, and then it's like, oh man, just shut up, please. Because yeah. his, his dad had been passed away for a while after this. So this was just... For, for him yeah do you know I think he's one of those people that you know he really wants to be a writer mm. and be a poet but his poetry is really really yeah. bad and he just won't give up that dream which I'm like fair play but it's also like you're not as good as you think you are there needed to be like some kind of version of a ye old like reality tv show like for writers that he went on that he like got this Simon Cowell figure to be like you're never gonna make it you can just give up right now and then you know he can finally I think live his people life. People tried, but that uh, that that per- that confidence, that bold confidence of I am Shakespeare. <sighs> so yeah, that's that's the episode. Thank you for coming on, Avine. Do you have anything you want to plug? Um, well, there is. A, I'm not sure if you've heard, but there's a global pandemic on. But um, no. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Don't leave the house. But then leave the house. Spend some money out outdoors. No. Um. I do I have anything I want to plug currently popping content up on my Instagram every month or so my name is Avian. I got the nice little handle Avian that everyone else coveted for so long um I'm in a I'm doing voiceover for a BBC show that's coming out later this year so keep an eye out Ooh. probably going to be on my Instagram as well and I'd like to plug myself heavily as an actor <laughs> so there you go hire both of us <laughs> I would like to plug both of us heavily as an actor. Um, but yeah, and if, you know, if anyone has anything going, please call me. My number is, no, I'm joking. Go on, give your number out. And uh, may I see your, can I have your bank details as well? All sure. my guests need to give me bank details. <laughs> and I have, as always, been Saoirse Shanae. You can uh, contact me through this podcast at absurdrealhistory at gmail.com. 
And this is brought to you by my theatre company, Scream for Ireland. So if you'd like to give that a, a like and all the socials as well, I'd really appreciate it. And yeah, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please let me know because it's very encouraging when I hear I'm doing a good job. And also tell your friends about it because it's been fun and I want to keep doing them. So yeah, thank you.